0: Hi, welcome to a new episode of Engineering Rebuilt. Do you think you know a lot about construction?
1: Maybe we can provide a fresh perspective. This is a podcast where we rebuild preconceptions of engineering, reclaim the narrative,
0: and share the voices of women from across the construction industry.
1: Why not join us? Let's get started.
0: welcome to the about us podcast um in this episode we will share more about ourselves and why we're making this podcast um we hope you enjoy it so lena why don't you tell us about yourself
2: hi yvonne uh yeah so my name is lena soderberg i'm a chartered civil engineer i'm based in london um i've worked on a lot of the key kind of infrastructure projects in in London over the last few years, most exciting to me was two new bridges we built in East London. I'm sure if it's not obvious in this episode, it'll be obvious in other episodes, but I am a big fan of bridges, (laughs) which which is also, I think, what brings me back to why I'm an engineer a lot of the time. Um, I really like bridges. Um, So yeah.
0: Who doesn't like bridges?
2: Yeah, exactly. Good people.
1: Anyways. <laughs> so, Tina, who are you? Um, so, hi. I'm Tina. I'm also a chartered civil engineer. Um, currently working as a senior methods engineer to help sites select more sustainable and low-carbon co- low methodologies, for construction. Um, and I'm also a co-founder of the SheBuilds Collective with Lina, um, which is how we met you, Yvonne. And that's why we're all here. Uh, so She Builds is an online collective. It's an online meeting place for women in construction to come together, share ideas, experiences. Um, and we sort of invite what we call extraordinary everyday ordinary women to take over the account to help create a more realistic role model. Um, and yeah, that's how we got to know you. So Yvonne, would you like to introduce yourself?
0: Hi, I'm Yvonne Raleigh. Um, I'm a chartered civil engineer and have been now for 25 years. Um, I've worked for the majority of my career as a main contractor Um, and I've built some amazing things including the Spinnaker Tower, um, which we're definitely going to talk about in another episode. Um, (laughs) I also have a thing about bridges, but I don't know an engineer that doesn't really. Currently, I'm running two businesses um, and balancing that with looking after two amazing kids.
2: I'm just going to bring up, uh, take us back to what Tina was saying earlier. So we started She Builds like eight months ago. Um, and I think that's kind of why we're here as well with this podcast, right? Because um, there are so, so many um, really inspirational and really amazing women in this industry. But um because we make up what 12% um, it can sometimes be hard to find everybody else so thanks to She Builds, we've now met Yvonne uh, and thanks to this podcast I am selfishly very excited about all the people I'm going to get to meet and everybody who's listening is going to get to meet as a result of what we're going to be talking about so that's that's why we're here right or Yvonne Absolutely. why are you here?
0: Uh, no, I'm I'm here for exactly that reason. At the end of the day, um, the frustration for me is that women in engineering is seen as like an exceptional thing. Um, women in engineering shouldn't be exceptional. We make up the majority of the population. So why is it extraordinary that we are wanting to be engineers? Um, women make fantastic engineers. Um, and we also make ordinary engineers. Um, and that's OK, too. Um, it's, it's an interesting thing that um, women are always expected to be exceptional. Oh, she, she wasn't really exceptional. Well, yeah. How many men have you met that are exceptional? Um, so let's be realistic. There are some amazing women that we're going to be talking to and actually a couple of men um, because there's some interesting conversations that we want to have about how women in construction are perceived and what we bring to the party um and that's this kind of why we created this as an idea um we originally called it something entirely different but we've lulled you in with a full sense of security so uh, hopefully you'll stick with us <laughs> lena tina what uh
1: well, what do you think i was um i was thinking about what brought the three of us together because we haven't actually known each other um, that uh, that long, and I was going through my emails, and I think it was Malcolm who connected us through one of your articles, Yvonne, and in his introductory Malcolm email, Peake. Yeah, he's mother, an, MDO. Yeah, she... an amazing human being. Um, but in it, he said, "I think the yes, three of is. you will get on like a house on fire," um, and I don't think he realised what he was doing <laughs> when, he, when he wrote that <laughs> or when he connected us. <laughs> Oh, God, no. Interesting. Um, so, yeah, I'm here because I think this podcast is going to be an amazing platform, right? It's a an opportunity for people to share their stories and share their ideas. And I think every single person has a story to tell. And the more people that I've started talking to outside of my network, the more I realize how amazing people are and how good at people are in just overcoming challenges and issues. Um so this is, I guess, a way for us to just have that really honest conversation.
0: Absolutely, and I think that's that's key to this, is this is not a glossy um, equality setting. This is a reality check on what engineering looks like from a female perspective. Um, it's, it's about how we see the industry and how the industry sees us um, and what we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis Um, and I think it's really important that people understand the challenge um, that we go through as female engineers. Yes it's an amazing industry to work in, I absolutely love the industry and I wouldn't change a single decision I've made in the industry but it is also incredibly challenging isn't it Lena?
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, It's it's an amazing place to work, but some things at the moment just don't work maybe quite as well as they should be working to really allow everybody to come into the construction industry and do their best in the construction industry. I think, Yvonne, you've set yourself some good challenges for this year around that and how we're going to start to change that. Do you want to talk about that?
0: so i'm in a really good position at the moment because i run my own company i don't actually have to care about who hears what i say um i i think it's quite a privileged position a lot of women in the industry have the challenge of having to balance the politics of the offices they work in and not being vocal um with the desire to change the industry um for me i'm i'm fed up with waiting i've been waiting 30 years for the industry to to change um there were six percent women when i joined 30 years ago there's 11 or 12 percent depending on how you measure it now in the industry uh 30 years for six percent is frankly ridiculous and when we looked at the she builds um collective survey a couple of weeks ago we surveyed people on on how many of them had suffered discrimination or abuse 90%. I mean, that's a measure of of how hard this industry is with 97% of those people having witnessed discrimination or abuse. So yeah, absolutely. I think that this this is a year where I want to make a lot of noise, where I want to challenge the industry to be different, to be inclusive, not just for women, but for everybody. Because at the end of the day, the current white male majority for the construction industry is wrong. I mean, it cannot function at the level it needs to function at unless it's diverse. And we're missing massive opportunities as an industry to include the voices of everybody, um, whether that's women, whether that's other minorities. we are underrepresented. Yeah. So, Tina, um, you had some interesting views on this one.
1: Actually, I wanted, I was gonna talk about those statistics that we, we saw in that poll. Um, I think they just really—they just really, um, they're just really mind-blowing. And I know SheBuilds is a bit of a self-selected group, right? Like um, the, the name selects itself, but the fact that eighty-eight, I think it was percent of people who responded to that survey, um, have experienced it firsthand in a work setting is just not acceptable, um, and it's not something that we talk about. And I guess that's, that's something that we really need to work towards changing. Um, so
2: I think but... that's really interesting. Is as... I think that's really interesting as well because when you think about what it means. When you talk about um, kind of the types of sex- sexual harassment or inappropriate behavior or uncomfortable behavior that, um, in this case, it was mostly that women experience in the construction industry, what it comes down to is so simple. It's like we work in an industry that's not treating people with respect and it's not treating people with kindness and it's not taking care of people. And those are such basic values that i think we should all have as people in the way we interact with everybody and we're not we're not doing it at the moment so how do we do it properly how do we how do we get people to see that that behavior that they think is okay is making somebody else feel really uncomfortable because not only do we have an issue with getting women into the industry they come in and then they leave for a number of reasons. So I think like Yvonne said as well, it's so, so important. If we're gonna keep building big infrastructure, if we're gonna keep building um, all these really necessary um, structures and developments that we need to keep ourselves moving and keep ourselves moving forward, then we need to not just get women in, we need to convince them that it's an industry worth staying in as well.
0: Yeah, Um, I think 65% of women leave the industry within 12 months of joining, um, compared to 45. (laughs) I mean, compared to 45% of men, I mean, construction industry is definitely not for everybody. But for Mm -hmm. 65%, I mean, these these could be women who've done three years of engineering degree or four years of engineering degree, and then still walk away after a very short period of time when, I mean... That must have been their dream to put that commitment into doing a degree or a, an apprenticeship or whatever it is, and then to walk away is is a real tell on on how difficult it is to be in the industry and and when people say oh we're, we're celebrating eleven percent uh, there's been a rise of one percent in the last three years in the number of women in the industry and I think but that's that's actually one percent more women who are just hanging on in there. And, and putting up with the, the stress because they are really passionate about engineering. And I think that's the thing that connects the three of us is we are absolutely passionate about engineering um, and the construction industry being the best possible place because it could be an amazing place. Um, and we're, we're just missing an opportunity for it to be amazing.
1: Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. agree and, I and guess, you need that um god no go for it tonight um i th- there's no like magic solution right we're, we're all looking for for this way to i guess retain women and like retain people for the right reasons too um making it a nice environment that's something you want to work within um and from my experience just having conversations with people who maybe don't understand, like just having the courage to have that conversation and speaking up in the first place. It kind of helps with the emotional intelligence. It helps with the empathy. It helps with the unconscious biases that they maybe don't realize was there in the first place. Um, And something, and maybe it's the engineering like within me that thinks to sitting around chatting all day isn't the solution. Um, it needs to kind of then lead into action, but if we can, like, if we can even just spark something right with these conversations, if that can lead into action, I think we're, I think we're on track for something much bigger, which I'm really excited about. But, um, sorry, Lynn, I cut yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, this
0: is step one. Go on. <laughs> this is definitely just step
1: one.
2: No, that's all right. One. all right yeah. <laughs> no, all I was gonna say is. I come back to this example in my head a lot, but um, how women are something like 50% more likely to have a serious injury in a car accident because they um, they use dummies in car accident testing that are based on male bodies. And I don't think anybody's done that on purpose. But what you've done is you've taken... The best what seemed like the best individuals for a job at the time and you've put them together thinking that these best individuals will make the best team but because there's no diversity in there um because you're only getting one type of person in there you only get a solution that works for one type of person yeah and so picking the best individuals doesn't give you the best team And with the sorts of decisions that we're making in the construction industry for how this country will work, how other countries will work, really major, major infrastructure projects like HS2 and Crossrail and like the future of how our entire societies are gonna work in the future. We need to be building, we need to be designing and building things that are fit for purpose for everybody. And we can't just be picking the best individuals for those projects and thinking that they're going to make the best teams, we need to be understanding what are the skill sets and what are the perspectives that we need in this situation to be able to deliver the best possible product. And so, yeah, 11% isn't enough, right? We're not not going to get there with 11%.
0: No, 11% Um, is definitely not enough. And it's interesting because when you look at all of the research that's been done on how diversity impacts teams, a diverse teams make better decisions 87% of the time. They make faster decisions. So if you've got a diverse team, if your board of directors, for example, is diverse, then you can be- make better strategic decisions faster. Your your operational teams would work faster and more efficiently if they were diverse. I mean, the figures are out there. There's been lots of research done on this um, by really major sort of places like Harvard University, they've they've looked at these things and they've gone, yeah, what does it look like? What does diverse do for you? Diverse means you make more money, you make it faster, you make quicker decisions, you're operationally more efficient. Well, I'm sorry, but what kind of idiot doesn't then want to be diverse? And so why is it taking us so long to get to a point where we are a diverse environment? Women on boards of construction companies. Name three. Oh, yeah. That.
1: <laughs> this, this is what's so interesting. In that, um, I think it was McKinley released a study saying just having that one isn't enough. So, having one token woman or one token, uh, like being minority, isn't enough. You have to have at least two or more. Um, yeah. And I guess because it allows for that conversation. So, naming three, yeah, I, unheard of. Um, because I don't think people have sussed that you have to have at least two. They think one is enough. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Um, Uh, It's interesting, though. And Um, how how many
2: engineering... I mean, by definition, every engineering meeting that I sit in has at least one woman. (laughs) But... (laughs) But there's never two. Like there's so rarely two. And how many are going on that I'm that I'm not in that have zero? I don't have any maths for that. But it's just my personal
0: experience. It, it, I mean, one,
2: one is all the time. Two is sometimes, and three is never.
0: It is. It is a ridiculous scenario. I mean, thirty years I worked in the. I worked in the industry. Uh, Twenty-five years on. In site-based environments, um, tendering and and also on site, but I mean, in the whole time I was on site, I, there were only two jobs where I, there was another woman working in a an engineering role. I mean, yes, there were women PAs, there were women office managers, but actually, somebody on the coalface working with me, yeah, I mean, it was twice in twice in seventeen years. It's I mean, absolutely ridiculous. But there, I mean, there is light because. If you look at um, somewhere like Heathrow, um, we do a lot of aviation work, and, and look at Heathrow Airport and the initiative they're running in terms of inclusion, they are saying that by 2025, their workforce is going to, all the way to CEO level, is going to represent the community that they sit within. So 49% women at all levels, 39% um, ethnic Makeup at all levels so it's all the way from CEO down and they're going to match every single band of their, their in environment with the same composition as the local community and for me that's the way that this is going to work because it's going to be clients that will drive that conversation but construction companies who choose to embrace diversity Are going to be seen in a much better light because the clients are looking for that diversity. If you turn up at a client interview and the client interview panel is a a diverse environment and you're turning up with a four man white male over 60 setup, or maybe over 50, if we're being generous, then How can you be taken seriously by a client who really does value diversity? Do your actions speak louder than your words? It's all well and good having an equality, diversity and inclusion policy. But in so many cases, that's just a whitewash, (laughs) quite literally, Mm -hmm. over a rotten core. and I, I think that there's there's so many conversations that people should be having. And that's why this is, this is a really good environment for us to showcase what women can change. So I mean, if we're looking at the next five years in the industry, I'd really, really like for us to have made significant change, not 1%, not 2%, but 20%, 30%. Mm-hmm. Because unless we push our own narrative, then, we are never going to get there. We are not a minority. We are the majority. We are underrepresented in the workplace and it's time it stopped. Sorry, I'm off it's my soapbox now, girls.
2: <laughs> no, I love your soapbox. No, How do we yeah. get there?
0: <laughs> How do we get there? We get there by How being do do really, it? really loud and compelling. And when we're engineers, we do data. We know what the data shows. We can show what the data shows. And I think that there's just not even, that nobody's looking at the data. They have a director and they're, they're floating in the balloon above the, above the rainforest and they're looking down, they're going, hey, look, everything's green. And when, if they actually came down below the canopy, they'd see that everything was really a, a, a war. And I mean, it's, it's an engineer environment down here. And that's not the way it should be running. So the directors and the board members and the CEOs need to get off of their ivory towers and come down to the bottom and things like reverse mentoring, things that, where there is a real opportunity for people to engage with people who can change their understanding of how this works. Because if they continue to just listen to white, pale male voices, they're never going to hear anything new. I love um, the way Tina was advocate. smiling at that. Oh, go good. on, too. Reverse
1: mentoring. <laughs> um, yeah, I've helped set up like pilot schemes within our business and I've, I've reverse mentored senior leaders in our industry. And it's it, it it's that like planting the seed and sparking the conversation and just helping them understand what's going on because they're not told these things, I guess, because they don't naturally go and talk to um these kinds of people on site or, or that's not the conversation you would you wouldn't open up and have this brutally yes. honest conversation with your CEO for instance when they're down on a site visit so they don't get to hear these things um unless yeah. you create that safe environment to have an honest conversation um so yeah I'm a big fan of reverse mentoring and I think it will help um like for me in the next 5 years and how we get to that 2030% I think culture will play a really really big role in um helping us get there so creating and changing the culture um into something that people are attracted to to something that they you know it's a place where they want to work rather than a place where they want to leave um yeah so culture is a really really big one for me and i think it goes hand in hand with um sustainability which is the other big passion of mine so in five years, I would love to see us make big steps towards net zero by 2050 um, to kind of have finished picking all the low hanging fruit, all the easy solutions and start to like really, really think and um, get creative about how we're going to do net zero. And I think that's where diversity comes in. We're going to need people who think differently, people who dare to um, try something new, think outside the box. Try new ideas and solutions, um, so we need that diverse thinking. Um, so yeah, I think the two go hand in hand, and I don't know Lena, um, sustainability something that you're also um, quite close to your heart. So
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it's something that we um, we've bonded over a lot as we've kind of got to know each other. Um, yeah. But I think sustainability is also is. It's also really exciting, right? We talk about civil engineering and we all talk about being problem solvers. And and the sustainability is such an awesome opportunity to, to just to take problem solving to, <clears throat> to take problem solving to the new level. Like how do we completely change the way that we do things so that we're actually making a better world for the future, not just the infrastructure, but the climate and the environment and everything um so it seems it seems it seems like a natural step for engineers to want to take on the climate uh climate crisis because problem solving is what we do anyways um so why not do it in this setting absolutely
0: and that's probably a good place to pause and pick that conversation up with our next guest
2: yeah, I'm so excited to meet some new people uh, and have even more conversations with, with both of you and the speakers that we have on here. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to it. I can't imagine uh, two better people to be doing it with. It's going to be...
0: Likewise. Excellent. It's going to be a hell of a party, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Engineering Rebuilt. We hope you enjoyed being part of the conversation. Please join us next time to hear more diverse stories from people who are reclaiming their narrative to rebuild engineering.